Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Getting my dad to say I love you. To say what? He loves it. Outrageous. Dads, this week we've got Sarah Kendall on the podcast. Are you excited? Yeah, that sounds good. So, so loud. You were way louder than you were when we tested the mics there. You were so excited. You nearly broke the uh, the sound barrier with that. You were that excited. Um, what do you know about Sarah Kendall, Dad? Not not very much, I'm afraid. But um, uh, I should have done a bit more work, really. But uh, yeah, did you read Did you read the Wikipedia page at least? Yes, I did. Yes. Well, what do you know about her? Well, she's a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> and she's does comedian stuff. Um, um this poor poor research right now, Dad. This poor research. What? This is poor research. Hang on, I can do it fairly quickly now. Well, no, 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 no. It's too late. You had no, no. I had, did have a look, but I just got waylaid. You, you had a look, and you stopped at Sarah Kendall and the word comedian. She's a great comedian. She's a great writer. She's been nominated for the oh, Edinburgh no, Award. Right. She, she, she was nominated for various things. That's right. I noticed that. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, an awesome person. She's got a great TV show out on HBO and in Australia, and I think it's in the UK called Frayed. She's great. She also was at the airport the day after I got engaged when I was with my now wife and uh, was very um, happy for me, which is nice. I didn't know that. That wasn't in Wikipedia. It wasn't in Wikipedia. Weirdly, that didn't make the cut on her own Wikipedia page, but as much as she would have loved to. All right. Well, I'm going to go chat to Sarah. I'm going to find out more than you did <laughs> that she's a comedian and uh i'll speak to her and i'll get back to you afterwards and i'll ask her a question on your behalf welcome my guest for this episode the fantastic and awesome and lovely sarah kendall how are you sarah i'm well chris martin <laughs> i always i always enjoy saying the, the full the full, the full name yeah, because yeah, of the Coldplay guy? Cause of the yeah, it never wears thin for me. It literally never wears thin. <laughs> I had this thing when I was writing a, a script ages ago that it's always funny when a character has a famous person's name and it isn't, and one of my characters was called Diana Ross. Um, <laughs> and I just – I still – I get like a sort of a 30% thrill of if I had met someone who was like a librarian <laughs> called Diana Ross. I'm like the nicotine patch of uh, yeah. famous names. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, well, Sarah, uh, what I like to do, as much as I'd love to talk about myself on this podcast sure. uh, as a narcissist, um, I always love to ask guests straight out, the, straight out the gate, have both your parents said the full phrase, I love you, to you before in your life? Yes, and frequently. And I've also noticed that everyone in my family, like with my brother, my mum and my dad, we sign off on conversations with I love you. Like that's ah, just, that's really normal. That's been inbuilt from your yes. from a youth. That's so yes. nice. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I say I love you quite readily in relationships. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You mean is it someone you're da- dating or just like yeah. any friendship or anything? Oh, anyone. Anyone I love. I'm very comfortable. And friendships as well. Um, oh, nice. Like I don't have to get hammered to tell people I All love right. them. I'm, I'm pretty I, – I will like just freely – um, tell friends and lovers, I love you. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not cagey about it. This is way too functional for this pod. I mean, like, I don't know mm. how we fill an hour now with that information, but that's not, that's nice though. That is nice. Yeah. yeah, but when it doesn't come back to you instantly, you know, there is a, 
there is a, if you don't get the you know and you like it's uh, it, it can it can sting a little. I mean, well, I've just, only, mm. I was going to say how quickly did you say it to your 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 married right? It's your husband. Well, look, we're going to have to edit this bit out, but I'm divorced now. I mean, that's how oh, much no. time has passed. Oh, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. We I mean, maybe we don't have to. We don't have to edit it out. Well, I, mean, I it's don't. Not a secret. I'm with you. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we can. Yeah, yeah but that is awkward. <laughs> I did message you saying the last time you saw me was when I just got engaged, and that was with you, were with husband and children. Then, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to shit on your picnic because that was such a lovely way no. for you to to reach out and for me to go. Well, guess what? You know, like I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to be that person. Screw you guys. All right. But you say, yeah. okay, well, you say it in general. I think you could put this in the podcast. We oh, could, like, I'm happy. If you want to put it in there, it's good. It was going too I'm, well. You were saying yeah, everything was so look. nice and positive. It's good. To yeah, yeah. Look where it's landed me. Look where it's fucking landed me. <laughs> oh, keep it all in, Chris. Keep it all in. Do you know what, though? Okay. It, yeah. You know, in the positive glass half full way, I'm sure it has all happened and it is better and for a reason, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to go to Leonard Cohen because I can't bear him, but, you know, like the cracks are where the light shines in, I think is the, the paraphrase yeah. of that. Um, but I have always kind of had a weird, um, mm, oh, no, I'm not sure if I believe myself. I think maybe I'm trying too hard to present a certain way, even as I say it out loud. I've never sort of felt cagey about... Um, being in, certainly when I was younger and yeah. I, I misfired a lot. I mean, as you meant to, you meant to misfire a lot with relationships and, you know, blurt out, I love you just before you throw up from all the tequila. Like I've done that. I've done all yeah. that. Um, but now in middle age, I'm quite confident that my love is, oh, this sounds so eggy. It's a good thing and it's a nice thing to bestow upon a person. That's and, good. That's and not with my kids, I'm, I'm very, a very, um, I'm, I I always think I'd rather err on the side of my kids feeling too loved and there being too much demonstrations of that mm -hmm. than, than the other end of the spectrum. You can't get it right. You're either going to aggravate them or neglect them. So to try to fall somewhere in mm -hmm. the a comfortable middle point of those two things is my is my aim. I think that's I think that's very healthy to be honest. Just bestow that love and then they won't pursue this. I mean. Uh, the, the thing is, most people haven't said it, had it said enough. That's why they end up being performers and stuff. But you had it said all the time and you went but into is performance. That, do you think that's your Britishness? Is that Maybe is that it's a British. Do you, that's a good point because it's, it's very much a – I remember I said I love you to my mum once uh, when I was in – actually, I was in Vegas with some friends for Christmas like a yeah. few years ago. I just didn't go home for Christmas. I don't know if she was pissed off about that, but I said, oh, mum, I love you. And she went, oh, thanks. And then I oh. was like – uh, but like she oh. does obviously but she just doesn't and then my dad the whole thing is in this he's he's just doesn't he's he was brought up to not say it you don't say it you can feel it and yeah. display it but just saying it's like a sign of weakness so that wow, might be a, a sign of might, weakness i feel not necessarily like he was uh like you know given shit for it but i think it's just i feel like that's I think that might be a British thing. It's just as I really think emotionally it is. vulnerable, isn't it? Yeah. I, th I think there is a certain Britishness. I sort of, I, I certainly noticed with um, my, uh, you know, my, my ex-husband. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, it really moved me when he would say, I, I, I love you to his mum. And she, she would sort of go, yes. Like it was like the, <laughs> and, and it was an acknowledgement and in yeah. its own coded way it was you must know i love you as well because i'm your mother but it was never said it just mm -hmm. i um and seeing him make that overture to her and for it to sort of come back as a sort of awkward acknowledgement <laughs> yeah. uh was i was it was heartbreaking and he's he's really so um open and loving with our kids i think I think that that has sort of the, the fire that he's been forged in is to not do that to his own children. Yeah, when we have kids, I uh, I know I'll be just what just very effusive with the yeah. with the loveys because you just gotta just chuck it in there, get it done early, get it out of yeah. the way early, get it, make it a habit, and then it's yeah. gonna be nice. But so your so your parents and they 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 bestowed well they said i love you a lot and is quite a loving family so mm. when it came came to your the common theme is everyone i think who does this this type of 
career to some degree has to have an insane work ethic as much as people think mm. comics etc are lazy i don't actually agree no um, i disagree too they just think also just like you know we just like a lion but we can still work for just later on into the day um and fearlessness so i'm curious when you were younger did you yeah were your parents strict on you do they want you to get into this field was it were they just go and do whatever you want they were quite disappointed uh, because it just. Um, <laughs> you said that so. The way you said that, but you could say they were quite supportive, but you just dropped in. No, no, no. There was, there was. I mean, all the things that you would fear and dread about a relatively intelligent, capable university student dropping out to pursue stand-up. I mm -hmm. mean, it does have all the warning signs written all over it as a terrible idea. Um, so they were, um, concerned. They were very concerned. I think the thing that my mum, not so much my dad, cause my dad couldn't get his head around. He barely even knew what stand up was. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so for me to, um, drop out to pursue stand up, uh, was incredibly disappointing, uh, I think for him. Um, but I think my mum had a bit more confidence in me because, that thing that you mentioned about the work ethic, I've always had a really good work ethic and she had a, a certain confidence that um, that work ethic would stand me in good stead, which I think was incredibly wise of her mm -hmm. because in terms of raising my own kids, I keep on saying to my daughter, it doesn't matter how capable any of you or your contemporaries are, the people with the work ethic are going to be the ones who make it because a natural ability will only get you so far. Um, correct, correct. And all the people who I really respect and admire have, on top of being capable and talented, have mm -hmm. worked their fucking guts out. Like that's the that's the connective tissue between them all. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, and I and I also think that ninety percent of that work ethic is showing up on time and having done your homework. I know. Like, if you uh, the amount of times that you are so much further ahead of the pack for showing up on time and having done your homework. Like it's really basic kind of stuff. I know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love the person who is punctual and prepared. I know. I, I always like joke about this. Like, um, we've had like some people, you know, we, we write together and we do, you know, this and do stand. I said to some like person, I was at some like comedians drinks thing after something. And I said, oh, I've got to go back. Cause I've got to go up tomorrow. Like, in the morning and write. And she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. what else am I going to do in my day? And then you just yeah. realize, like you said, 90% of people don't, or when it comes to even, it, I think this applies to all fields of work. Mm. I don't have an office job and I'm thankful that I don't have like a proper office job, even mm. though if you want to do that, that's fine. I reckon people maybe do four hours of work in an eight hour day maximum yeah. really, but um, like the amount of just doing the bare minimum, that blows people's minds is just, it's just yeah. so f how many people yeah. are fucking up and not doing work makes you just, yeah, you're yeah. right. Just but even up. more so, I think even more so in show business, Yeah, if you turn up um, ahead of time and you've learned all your lines, people lose their shit. They're like, yeah. wow, <laughs> you were early and you knew three pages of script. Like I, I, I do think the bar has been set phenomenally low uh, in terms of, <laughs> behavior <laughs> yeah yeah yes. so i do think i think my i think my mum was uh i think the only thing that she had confidence in was that i had worked really hard in high school right. um uh not so much in uni i lost my way in uni because i had worked so hard at school and then got to uni and just found it to not be in mm -hmm. any way inspiring i i, I sort of my course was um wasn't really getting much out of it and I didn't know where it was going and then I found this this really odd outlet of, of, of stand-up and it gave me uh it just gave me direction it gave me direction in a way that my my uni course really didn't and I, I think I had a sort of recklessness that I was young enough to go well if it doesn't work out I'll just go back to uni um like let's give it give it a couple of years and see what happens um what did they do when you were younger for jobs oh well dad a dentist and my mum a housewife she's a you know full-time mum right uh, so really really traditional like yes a, a very, very traditional. traditional and a very safe setup and 
Um, my mum was also uh, very adamant that I get a, a, a career because that was the thing that she didn't do that she really regretted. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and then it was her night of a thousand nightmares when I came back and went, I'm dropping out of uni. And she was like, yeah. well, I wanted you to get your education. But what I found really sort of interesting about um, the path of, of, of doing stand-up and going from stand-up to, uh, you know, television work, um, I had a really interesting conversation with Rich Hall. like a, mm-hmm. like, And it must have been like 15 years ago. And he said to me, don't ever let your stand-up slip because that's your trade tv shows are going to come and go you might go three seasons four seasons you might go one season but it'll end and you are going to have to go back to your trade and you can always fall back on it so in a way i feel like my stand-up is if i needed to tomorrow i could go out and earn from doing stand-up and i could get back on the circuit like that for me is the thing i'm always waiting for the tv gig to end yeah, and then I will go back to stand up, which is how I, you know, that that's sort of my, that's the thing that I didn't do by getting a university degree, but I got it through doing stand up. My my security. I think that's yeah, that's actually a very <clears throat> good way of looking at it. You can no one can really stop you or end you doing stand up apart from yourself, right? But the other things, no. that's out of your control a lot of the time. Derek. I mean, dare I mention, dare I say his name, Louis C.K., there was a fantastic episode of Louis where he meets Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. And it was just this episode that really, um, it really affected me because it's just a brilliant, it was a, it was a brilliant episode. I know he is an incredibly problematic uh, character in comedy. So it really galls me to say that I adored this episode. Um, but... It was fantastic, and it was basically Joan Rivers playing the the main room, and Louis C.K. is playing the shittier, smaller room, and he doesn't like the conditions. People are getting up and getting drinks, and you know he wants to discontinue his run. He's at Vegas for a week, and he's in this shit cabaret bar, and he goes to see Joan Rivers in the, in the main room, mm-hmm. and he's like, he he gets to hang out with her afterwards. And he's already told his agent that he wants to discontinue his run at Vegas because of how disrespectful the crowd is in the cabaret bar. And he has this amazing conversation with Joan Rivers and she says to him something along the lines of, you fucking call your agent and tell your agent you're going to finish your run. I have been in the main room and the cabaret bar, back to the main room, back to the cabaret bar all through my career. And I'm in the main room now and I'll be back to the cabaret bar next year. Like... It's a fight and a struggle and you have to go out and keep earning. And when when I'm not famous, I'm back in the cabaret bar and sometimes I get the wind in my sails and I'm back in the main room. But you have to finish your run because it's a contract and that's what you do as a work ethic. And it's just a really – I feel like it's the sort of thing that all performers, it, that's part of – that's the thing you get your head around. It's, it's a long career path mm-hmm. and it's not all – you're not always in production. You're not always getting scripts off the ground. It's a it's a fucking slog at times. Yeah, that's no. And then to enjoy the fact that the slog that we have is more fun than ninety percent of other <laughs> other versions of a slog. I would say. It's, Do you ever yeah. worry about your ideas? I've been really worried about. Oh, mate, the, all the time. I'm yeah, like, that I've, I'm like, me. I've got nothing. I've like, especially because of. I'm pretty happy. I'm happy. and Oh, like, no. What are you doing? I know. it's, But also there's unhappy stuff happens. It's like actually, it's like I'm doing therapy at the moment, which is like just like being positive. It's actually been really helpful. But, um, yeah, your brain therapy. does. It's great, though. It's really good. Yeah. Um, started like you started paying a bit more attention to stuff that you hadn't really paid attention to, which I think is actually quite handy. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, I do think that. And then I realise – Kind of no, because I go sometimes the st- some stuff will fall away. Like uh, we were trying to come up with a new idea the other day. I was like, we've got no good new ideas for script, none. And then just by talking and living, a couple of weeks later, good ideas happen. Or stand up, I'll have like no fucking ideas for ages. And then I just need like a bit of time and gigs in the diary. And then I'm like, oh yeah, immediately yeah. it starts. I think it, yeah. I, I kind of realised like what am I, I, I don't want to be retired. The idea of just doing nothing is so boring to me. And like, I don't want to just lie on an Island or whatever. So I'm no. like, well, I'm just going to keep, keep, it's just what else are you going to do? You got to, that's yeah. going to keep happening. But yeah, obviously yeah. the fear is like, I've got nothing in, especially when you see some people who like, 
they get super successful and um you think your life is so you could tell they've their stuff is like really patched together you know what i mean i'm not going to name any names yeah. but they're stand up yeah. you're like oh you've got nothing of particular yeah. interest to talk about but you have to do an hour to because you've got to make your money yeah 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 it's um I had a, um, a a writers meeting with a, a, someone who I've, from stand up who I've, I've just known for years, and we we're like, we should work on something together. And um, I love how in writers' room, and I, I've script edited for her show. Like, I, she's um, she wrote and directed a show that I script edited on. So we, we've worked together a lot. And I love that all of our writers' meetings end up with sort of one of us lying on the ground talking <laughs> about a thing that happened 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, those are the writers' meetings that I live for. You know, like yeah. one of you's under a coffee table with a pillow over your head going, there was this guy at, at my school. And you sort of, I, I feel like you're sort of unpacking stuff because you're trying to, it's like picking up a bunch of rocks and looking underneath them going, is there mm-hmm. anything in that? Is there something there? And yeah, yeah. I've had some of my most powerful revelations in having, like, writers' meetings with her because we're always trying to find those kernels of truth that you go, this is something I give a shit about and this is something I want to write about. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. if I can take that experience and dramatise it or, you know, when you're stuck in a script and you're going, what would this person do? And you're like, well, actually... There's this one time when I was at band camp, you, you know, you yeah. do have these sort of when you're trying to figure out what your character would do, often you look into your own life and go, what's got the ring of truth? Well, what did I do when I was, you know, yeah. in a, a similar mess? So I, there's something about script writing that I find very therapeutic because you're sort of looking for behavioral truths, which you can only get by analyzing your own life. Yeah. I, um, you said something that was very interesting that you said about stuff you give a shit about. And mm. actually sometimes I find with, I don't know if this resonates with what I love about a script versus stand up as much as I love stand up. Sometimes a stand up, I feel like you're, you're hemmed in by your sort of persona on stage and what you, I mean, you can talk right. about whatever you want people say, but ultimately I still think like who you are will inform what an audience will want to hear from you to a degree. Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. for example, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I guess you could, maybe I could, but if, like, Maybe I can now. I don't know, but I've always thought I don't want. I wouldn't want to hear me talk about like going down on the, <laughs> someone like that. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? I know what you mean. So I do you know what you mean? But I feel like if you write a script, you have characters, and you can have one who's into talking about yeah. that, and then, and so you can. But not say I wouldn't <laughs> want to talk about. It, but it's just great. You have the freedom to kind of go into different truths from your life and experiences, and you can kind of express them in so many different ways. So I find that that quite freeing. Yeah. As much as people think scripts is like, oh, you can't be free. I'm like, actually, I find that quite freeing. That's um, so true. And also I find it really terrible when I've, there's someone I like and then, you know, during their set, they do say something really grubby about sex. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck. I, I've had a green tea with you. That's weird. Yeah, we're going out for noodles after this. You fu- Oh, fucking <laughs> hell. Yeah, um, I know. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, just to circle back a little bit then. So your dad being a dentist, right? That's mm. very, that's a traditional job. And your mum's is, is she arrive with them got like a create like your mum hobbies and stuff is there some sort of creativity that's been sort of n- knocked around or is that completely self created by not, you um, not kind really of no. grandparents or anything no yeah it's hard for me to know I mean both of my parents were sort of um children of military folk oh, right. so my mum was a RAF brat so she grew up on RAF bases in the 50s and 60s, which, as you can imagine, you know, it was a really um, – because my grandfather was a fighter pilot, you know, and he, he wasn't a particularly pleasant guy. Like there was no right. kind of sort of Jack Kerouac phase of her life where she just feared it all out on the road. You oh, know, like she it missed was, that bit. She, yeah, yeah. Not that I have either, but, um, you know, she – yeah, there was that sort of very military kind of upbringing, which is not – doesn't sit very comfortably with the arts. Um, and then my dad was sort of a, you know, the, again, his father was um, had fought in World War II and my dad had a really paramilitary upbringing because the expectation was that he would have a war, you know, that his grandfather had had World War One, his dad had had World War Two. So yeah. these kids were brought up for the next war, whatever that was going to be. And Vietnam came along a little bit too late for my dad. He was too old. And he told me at the time he was absolutely fucking devastated. He was desperate to go to Vietnam 
Wow. Because he thought that was his generation's calling. So he had been brought up on rifle ranges and all these boys in the, in the 50s, their fathers were raising them with the expectation of, well, you'll be the next generation of men in our family to go off to some war. So there was a very conservative. It yeah. was a, a very were they, were they strict? Were they strict? Yeah, very. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like it'd be yeah. odd if they were kind of like, so that's, yeah, so I bet that's, yeah, they were like, you have to do your, like, are they like, on yeah. your homework? Don't fuck yeah. about school. That's interesting. Yeah. And as much as I sort of reacted against it when I went to uni, and I, I, I still kind of respect that they drilled that discipline into me. Mm. Like, there's a lot of things that I can criticize about those sort of conservative military upbringings, but it does, um, it does instill a work ethic in you. Like, and I know there are other ways to get results out of people. You don't have to bash everybody with a big stick to get results. Yeah. Um, I know that there is a sort of velvet gloved approach that is equally um, productive, but um, it's kind of weird. Like something that I've sort of noticed in therapy is just how much that sort of work ethic and that kind mm. of military. It's been, it's, it's been a benefit to me, but it's also made me very tough on myself um, yeah. and not, not giving myself enough of the nice things, you know, like there is that sort of, um, I, I suppose there's virtue in, 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 um, being very disciplined and, and not having too much fun and don't let go yeah. too much. I was going to say, when you does this yeah. resonate? Um, even I didn't have the same background. Uh, I didn't have such a strict background, but I kind of I have this kind of same sort of thing of needing to just like work and like be unhappy if I'm not kind of always doing stuff. Do you when you you know you've got a, a TV series on that's people uh, love and is well reviewed. Do, when you get, do you still, do you, do you ever enjoy it? Do you ever enjoy the thing? Can no, you enjoy this? No. I enjoy nothing. I, I mean, that's <laughs> no. kind of like. Is that what you're, the therapy is <laughs> to help with that, right? You want to, you need yeah, to get to, yeah. okay, good, okay. Yeah. And I'm getting better at going, for God's sake, you will be dead sooner than you know. So yeah. try to enjoy something. So even, like I used to have this thing that even when I was on holidays, I, the guilt that I would feel for being on holidays, I would be thinking yeah. I should be working, I should yeah. be writing. I would ruin my holidays by working on the holiday. So I'd book a holiday and then bring my laptop mm -hmm. and go, the only way I can holiday legitimately is if I um, get up early and get my writing done before the, the day starts yeah. and then I can go and, you know, I know, that. You know have my day. So I... Um, a lot of it has sort of been um, easing off a little bit on that and um, being a bit more forgiving of myself. That's good. But yeah. Um, and also, you know, um, something that I find really curious is just how much I uh, imitate my dad, um, you know, and he is really disciplined. And that, and I, I kind of get that that's been a, a big key to him having a good life, you know, like is it's, it, the biggest thing, the headline note, I would say there is his discipline. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, sometimes you're like, yeah, I mean, also, it doesn't hurt to take your foot off the gas a little bit. And I think that that's something that I've arrived at in middle age. But also raising my daughter to not be too hard on her and yeah. to let her know that, you know, your failures are, are, are important um, and... I don't know. I, just being a bit, just taking it a bit easier. I think that's the. That's I think the that's that's very. Yeah, it's it takes a long time for. Yeah, it's taken me a long time to kind of get to that point. It's like, what's the, what are, what are we doing all this for if we're not going to try and find the happiness while because because you know I remember I've had stuff in my career but oh, I've got that thing as soon as I got it I'm already thinking about the next I don't right I don't just right. like enjoy that thing but because yeah. you i think you think if i enjoy it then i'll i won't be able to i'll just become complacent but ultimately that's kind of ridiculous because this is not going to happen is it you're not going to randomly just change a full habit of a lifetime and yeah. just stop working and get hammered on an island for a year as much as that sounds fun for about no 10 minutes. <laughs> no uh i think also that something that i've sort of realized with a bit of age and time is that um Nothing lasts forever. So just say I did absolutely crucify myself and write my masterpiece. 
it will also get swallowed up by time and people will forget about it and I'm going to die. Like, mm-hmm. it, when I think about the people who, and, it, and this is not like in a sort of schadenfreude way, it, it, like I, it's going to sound really mean, but hear me out. Like, there yeah. are people who I knew 20 years ago who had stratospheric success. Yeah. You know, they just frog leaped over everyone mm-hmm. and got to the top in a nanosecond whilst the rest of us were sort of still mucking around in the fucking trenches. Yeah. And my daughter has no idea who these people are. She's never heard of them. And there's something about that that time lapse where you kind of, it, it's sort of easing into your mortality a bit and going, yeah. even, even if you do make Apocalypse Now, like, it's just another movie. It's just another, like, it's You're just right. another script. And it's another TV show that will be swallowed up by time. My daughter's never heard of most of the icons of my youth. When I mention them, you, you so you sort of go, well, you're not going to be achieving some sort of immortality by this. Mm-hmm. It, it's all going to be forgotten. So just fucking lighten up a little bit. I agree. I, this sounds also morbid. A couple of, like, people, as you get older, like, people you know, like, I've worked with or people die mm-hmm. and then... It's <laughs> like, you know, you see on Twitter, everyone's like, oh my God, uh, this is awful. This person's died. And then a week later, I mean, obviously yeah. different people, but you go, yeah, like I've always been a bit scared of that. I was like, when I die, you think, oh, who gives a fuck? No one will give a fuck. No. It's like I live in another, no. no one gives a shit. If, if you go to another country for a year and you go, oh my God, people are like, oh, were you away? I didn't even know. <laughs> like, no, no oh my God. Cares. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares yeah. about us. That's what's kind of freeing yeah. in a way. Yeah, I mean, I had people sort of say to me, um, oh, um, are, you, are you gigging at the moment? I'm like, I haven't gigged in three years. Like, no one's noticed. It's not like the laughter has stopped. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I think that the only, thing that I, the only thing that I get, and this is the sort of, you know, the sort of the balance to this, is that when I see something genuinely brilliant, I... It, I, I love it so much and it also pains me a little bit because I'm like, I want to do that one thing in my life where I go and I just get it right. Mm. It just, You know when you see something that... Makes you have um, all the feelings and the light. Just yes. has every, has every yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah I get and that. it's like eating a 12-course a meal where every plate is more delicious than the last and you know, you see that work of art and you're like, I just, and this is also part of the I am going to be dead one day, I, I want to create something in my body of work where you mm-hmm. go, well, that's your godfather. That's your, Francis Ford Coppola seems to be yeah. quite prominent in my thoughts today. Um, but, uh, yeah, just um, because it is so, um, when, it, when, it, when it is right and when it's done so well, it just kind of feels like the pinnacle of human existence. Like you realise that's why people go mad trying to come up with, of course. with great scripts and because when it when it all when it's all just done so beautifully and and how rewarding that feels. That that that, that does it it does even though I am quite glib about well we're all gonna be dead one day, I do find that that perfection like I can still watch the apartment and go that's a perfect movie. There, mm-hmm. there, there is there, there is not an ounce of fat on that script. Yeah. Um, and there is something about watching people who have all been dead for quite some time, and to put to put that movie on and go, yeah, it's still the tensile strength of its perfection has not been eroded by time. That that I can. Um, there's something. How you frame that is also interesting because you you could frame that as like this weight of I need to do it, but actually the, the sort of message behind it is you when you watch something great, it makes you feel amazing, and, and you just want to make other people mm. feel that way, right? Which is is yeah. kind of a a nice thing, but yeah, it's hard to do that with the balance of like don't put this crazy expectation on yourself, whereas actually just trying to make something that yeah brings joy and and makes people have different thoughts and feelings is yeah it's it's a it's a a good yeah. gift to try and aim to do but yeah don't be so yeah. hard on yourself come here son Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you ever read anything that's about stoicism? I'm just curious because you're talking about we're going to die soon. It's like actually, I've been reading some stuff on stoicism at the moment. It's actually quite, um, quite interesting for just sort of Go on. Learning to be, well, it's kind of basic. It's just like, don't let external factors affect your happiness. And it's just really about how you, you can control how you feel. And that's all mm. you can do, which is kind of a basic message. But it's sort of, there's this book I've been reading, which is Forged Over Lord. Uh, you know, it kind of came from Marcus Aurelius was the kind of the the godfather of it. And uh, it's it's got, some, what was this a really fun phrase in it? Uh, a good quote from Marcus Aurelius. Uh, humans, um, it's amazing how humans only really care about ourselves, yet we still put so much weight on what other people think about us. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's so true. That's so funny. true. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, no, I haven't, I haven't, I keep on, because all the things that I try to do for mindfulness, and I'm not saying like I'm, you know, some special unicorn, but they frequently don't work. Like I, mm-hmm. I've often used like headspace and I, I've tried, you know, meditation and all these other things and I, I haven't gone wild for it. And I took up um, karate a couple of years ago. And that's sort of got really, that's sort of like my sweet spot in terms mm-hmm. of meditation because, I mean, I, I don't know how mindfulness is defined, but for me it's it's just, you know, being completely and utterly in the moment when nothing yeah. else exists outside of that moment. And I have found that karate training and um, it, it's – it, it's fulfilled something in me that has allowed me to be incredibly present. Um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it immensely. That's good, mate. What belt are you? I don't, I, I've always wanted to be good oh. at a martial art, but I've never actually <laughs> pursued Oh, really? It. I mean, do you know, it, it, it's, it's made me a lot more serious about my fitness. Like I've got a grading coming up. I'm a red belt now going Ooh. for my blue belt. So it's, well, Get that's, it, mate. that's it's pretty low. Well, um, but, I mean, I'm like one of the oldest fucking people in the sorry, dojo. I just loved that. was such a comedian. That was such a hard on yourself comedians. I'm going for my blue. It's pretty low. You couldn't just enjoy the You had to shit on yourself there, right? You couldn't, yeah. just, couldn't just be I, happy for yourself. You've, you've taken up a thing that's made you feel better and you're doing well and you're like, you're Yeah, still- you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, did sh- I shat on my own picnic. You're quite yeah, right. You did. But... I mean, I, I, I also have the pride thing of knowing that I'm one of the oldest people in the dojo. So I, I just out of self-respect, I, I, I'm sort of secretly training a bit more because I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be looked down on. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. And there, there's something about uh, it's drained a lot of the anger out of me. Like I, 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 I was really prone to road ragey incidents mm. and shit that, shit that probably was putting myself in danger in terms of like, like a, you know, if someone dipped in in front of me in, into my two-second gap, you know, fucking hold down the horn and, yeah, you know, what the fuck, you fucking idiot. Like there was so much anger. I, there's... <laughs> Like I, I, I've just sort of, I don't know, there's something about going into a dojo two to three times a week and hitting people and getting hit. Uh, like you do get hit and you, you, know, you bruise and you have injuries and it's just made me a lot more, um, 
I take violence a bit more seriously now. Okay. I, I think... It's that military, military background, mate, is coming out. Yeah, <laughs> holding down your horn and calling someone a cunt. Like, <laughs> if they do choose to get out of their car and, and esca- you've escalated it. You have escalated it. You've escalated that. Can't your ego tolerate someone? I know. Closing in on your two seconds. I, I let anyone mm-hmm. cut in on me because everyone has because of guns and stuff oh, here. Ha- God, Han- yes. Hannah, Hannah has on more than one occasion when I've been driving honked the horn and I'm like, "What are you doing? No, what no, are we no. doing? Don't get me no. killed." I was oh, fine. So, yeah, I was fine so with right. that person taking that <laughs> car again. I don't yeah. want to die. Um, yeah. Uh, just uh <laughs> i love this pod because i'm having a lovely chat about all sorts but um uh <laughs> people can listen to what bits they no one's going to be on here going where's the solid parent chat that's not what's going to happen because no, i think it's interesting no. whichever avenue we get taken into i love it um but i was going to say that the thing that i was thinking when you were talking about your dad and like the kind of discipline stuff does he have any my dad has, and this has come up a few times, has phrases that I just have in my head, like, got to keep the show on the road. Just got to keep the show <laughs> on the road. Um, yeah. well, what's happening? Always says, what's happening? So, Great. again, like, probably from, I've always got to be, what have I, I've got anything to talk to him about? I mean, quite comically the other day, um, I rung them up. My parents hadn't spent it for, like, a week. I mean, hands, mm. I think we'd just been writing. I hadn't done any gigs. Or I don't know. I just rung him up for a catch-up and I realised I had so little <laughs> nothing had been happening and yeah. um, they had been a bit unwell so I hadn't done it and I was just like this is a four minute conversation no, no one's got anything to report back so but yeah mm. uh, him going what's happening and got to keep the show on the road have always been in my head so I'm just curious did you, any little kind of parental like phrases that have been drilled the other one was never be a lawyer that was the other one those are the three wow <laughs> yeah fair enough so I, I mean, did that I achieved that yeah. goal yeah, well done. Um, uh, so, um, God, what are his recurring? Um, uh, show me the sign that says "life's fair." That's his. Kind that's great. Of, there you go. I love that. That's yeah. a good. That's a good solid. Don't complain. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah. Work. Your and ass. also, what right do you think you had? It's really funny. There was a Twitter meltdown that somebody sent me. I have to be quite careful with how I phrase this. Um, but uh, the, the, I, I'm a real fan of the Twitter meltdown. Oh, it's who my, isn't? It's one of my favourites. It's the whole reason I'm on that bin fire of a side. <laughs> anyway, so there was this Twitter meltdown and um, he sort of realised that um, it's just a really good mantra. Anytime you're like, but that's unfair. Like, what do you think this, what, do you think God's watching? I know. <laughs> do you think God's looking after you? Like, it's, there is, like, it's a... Pale blue dot, mate. You know, like uh, uh, there, there is no, um, there is no logic or rhyme or reason to any of this, and you'll you'll send yourself mad if you think there is. I yeah um, yeah. Sorry, you, I just cut you off. You're going to say that you're going to go into the meltdown. No, I better not. I mean, <laughs> Can you go into pretty... it after when we when we stop recording? Can you tell? Oh, me? I'll send it. Oh, I will send yes, it to you on Twitter. It to me, you please. are just thirty. Okay, yeah, it's it's it's. Choice grade. It's good I'm stuff. It, but I um I agree though with your dad's sentiment there, which is like I always think the universe doesn't give a shit about you. Is is actually it's the same as you're gonna die, so just have yeah. fun. The universe doesn't give yeah. a shit about you. Sounds negative, but actually just like just It's quite nice. It's good. Um, just get on. But it's it. also his other refrain is um uh from a, a a book that he he sort of um gave me that sort of really affected me um slaughterhouse five like i went through my obligatory kurt vonnegut phase in my 20s mm-hmm. and um there was just the refrain of, of the main character uh and I, he just constantly says and so it goes like that's this kind of this character has all these things happen to him and he always says and so it goes um i think that's what he says now i've said it out loud i'm not <laughs> confident and so I'm goes. not, I don't know, and I'm not going to look it up. So let's say that's what it is. We don't need to, we're not going to, I'm sure someone will, someone will correct you uh, in the comments as people like to do if it's an issue. I'm pretty sure that's, I'm pretty sure that's a quote, but suddenly as I said it, I thought, is that the quote? So it goes. Getting, so, um, it sounds yeah. like a quote. It sounds like a real thing, someone would say. Yeah. Um, what else does he say? He's got, a, he's got a lot of, um, and this is in terms of his discipline. So he's uh, 1944 birth, so 76 this mm. year. Um, and he puts on his trainers and goes for his walk every morning and he swims most of the year round like he does his 800-metre swim in, in the mornings. And, you know, he sort of says the amount of times I get up and I 
can find a thousand reasons to not put on my trainers or not go for my swim. Like every morning I can find a reason to not go. And the discipline is you put your trainers on and you, as soon as you got your trainers on, you're halfway there, mate. Like, that's true. Um, and that's, that's exactly what discipline is, is I can find a thousand reasons to not go to karate. I can, there's always going to be, be a reason to not do the thing. But discipline is where you go, I'm doing it because it's not a discussion. I'm doing it because it's the first thing in the morning and I'm going to go and swim 800 metres. Like, and I, I think there's something about that behavioural trait that I've definitely mimicked uh, yeah. in, in my own life. But like, it's, it's good. That's what you need. You need that with, like you said, you're doing the script, stand-up, everything. You need to – I mean, there's the odd, there's the odd, like, you know, crazy lunatic, uh, like, prodigy who can just – I uh, just fucking making it up. I mean, I don't even. Yeah. I think that's always exaggerated think, yeah. a bit. I think that's exaggerated so a bit I. when someone goes, "I just wrote it all on stage." I'm like, "No, you, you, how you, you've been thinking about that for probably yeah. every minute of the day for the last two weeks, or whatever yeah. it is." Um, yeah, there's also I, I think um, what's interesting about just in karate is um, I'm always fascinated. Like, did you see the Last Dance? Um, the the yeah the basketball. Yes, um, that was amazing. Yeah, of course, oh, yeah, yes. incredible. So I'm really interested in champions, you know, like those mm-hmm. top, the top 0.0001% yeah. of cha- champions. And there's a couple of champions in the dojo and they're just wired a bit differently. Um, you know, like there's the thing in the last dance when Michael Jordan, he'd, he'd gone to the to the, the finals. Do they call it the finals? I don't know if that's even what the word is. Yeah, it's the finals. Um, the finals. And he had gastric bug. And he was basically exploding from both mm-hmm. ends. And then he went out and played the greatest game of his life. Mm-hmm. And in those conditions, most people would be laid up in a hospital on a drip. Um, and I, I am not a champion, um, but I'm fascinated by the champions in the dojo because if, if, if the sensei says halfway through sparring, now drop and do 30 burpees, these fuckers will get to 30 and then they'll do another five. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, they have this, and, and part of it is, I think, a tolerance to pain. I think that there is like a, a, a certain amount of it where they just can kind of, but there's also a desire there that is, um, um, like I get to the 30th burpee and I go, I cannot, I, I can't do another one. I just can't do another one. And I'm not going to do another one because you said 30. And if you say, give me five more, I'll say no, because you said 30. Whereas the champions are naturally driven to try to squeeze in five more because this is their opportunity to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not built like that. I mean, I have a. a You're built a, like I a runner-up. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a silver medalist. Yeah, I'm that's a, still pretty I'm good. A, <laughs> it's still it's not good. Bad. But I'm so impressed by it. I'm impressed at how they and how when my body's conking out. It's not negotiable. Like, yeah. you know, like if I can't do any more, I will say to my sensei, I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't do any more. I've got nothing left. I, I'd have to be heaving to say that, but I'd say it. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, that, that's just not a, an option for a champion. They just find it somewhere. But do you not think that's also partly because that's not the field that you're, you're not a professional karate. You're not like, you, mm. so like in terms of if they were watching you do stand up and like you, you did a show and someone went, that's pretty good. Again, mm. yeah, it wasn't good enough. And then you go back and listen and, and you make notes and you try and improve and make it better. You are kind of, you are putting yes, that I suppose. Ch- champion meds. But I agree. That's a, a physical sporting champion. I mean, I used to play like rugby at quite a high level and football. But I was like, oh, just the, the level of, like, I didn't want to do that enough to just, I want to fucking mm. destroy my body to, to get into. Yeah. Someone told me there was a guy like my height who's playing for England. He like, just be in the gym like three hours and I was like I don't want to do that shit it's like no I just don't want to do it it's not I mean I probably I don't know if I could do it but I I didn't want to but if you want to do the thing which is what you're doing I reckon you do put that champion mentality into what you do but you just it's pretty moving it's pretty moving to watch it like I find it oh yeah um, oh mate sports documentaries do not I mean uh, I'm we're crying just always ah they're just the best yeah normally laid up on my couch eating a bag of crisps yeah of course that guy's a that guy is a revelation. <laughs> do, do you know what's do you know what's a really interesting doc actually that I just watched? Can, the Kanye doc. Um the first mm. obviously the first two episodes of the three, especially because he just 
believes so much in himself that he, mm. and it's crazy because you, it's also really good to watch as a person in this, in a different industry, but like he's playing uh, the graduation. He's, he's already renowned as a good producer by uh, is it Rockefeller. And he's go and he's playing them this album. It goes into the offices and they're just trying to, they're, they're annoyed by him. They're like, no, you're not, you're a producer. You're not a rapper, but he's so determined and he gets so many setbacks along the way, but he just keeps going and doesn't give up and keeps doing it until he becomes, and then it's kind of, as soon as he gets famous, like the switch goes and it's kind of a little bit um, tragic in a way on the final episode. But uh, I guess he had that, he had that like, um, is it not just even a famous guy energy? He had that like, I am. I was born to have my music listened to by millions, and all. it's just it's very inspiring, actually. Um, so I recommend. But I wonder. I mean, I'm really curious about that because I wonder if the flip side to that is being a little bit mad. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's there is when sane people go. Yeah, I mean, but he was right to keep going because he is a genius. But um, there has to be that kind of no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am a genius, which. Uh, I don't quite know what I'm saying. No, I know. Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're he kind seems of say, mentally unwell. He yeah, seems I mean, quite he, unwell. He's, he is bipolar, isn't he? I think it's kind of what what, what the yes. the diagnosis and uh, yeah, there's that fine line between genius and madness, and yeah, maybe it's you kind of go. But then yeah, is there it. also something about the? I have certainly, I mean, from a distance, noticed that there is something about the American system that surrounds people with enablers to the point where. Um, really unhinged behaviour is allowed and indulged, and then there is an incident where people go, "Whoa, wait a second. Yeah, but it's like there there is an organism around this human that has yeah, enabled this true. for a decade. They need more British people. They need more British people going bit much, uh, mate. Bit much. I mean, <laughs> that was one of my favorite. I remember watching Sean Locke doing um, uh, Just for Laughs, like a Montreal thing. Yeah, and. Uh, I think there was some big fireworks explosion and he sort of walked out on stage and it was all very, you know, yeah. it's all very North American. He sort of looked around and just went, that was a bit much, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> started, his, oh, started his set. Very yeah. funny. Um, uh, all right, let's, before we wrap this up then, I'm just curious to know your dad at the start of yeah. your um, career was a bit, um, you know, what are you oh, he doing? was brutal. He's he brutal. was brutal. But yeah. now, but now, now you're, you know, in, in maybe you're not in your head successful. But I, you know, I'm going to say as an outsider, successful, and you're making Thanks, it your career and doing all the fun things. Um, does he watch your stuff? Does your mum watch your stuff? Do they are they supportive? Yeah, or do I mean, do they not have really so a proud. clue? What's, oh, that's good, good, good. They're incredibly proud, and they've they've really seen um, they've seen how hard I've worked for it. Like Great. they have been with me at festivals. Um, they had seen me, you know, when I first started doing festivals and then when I had my kids and they would come to festivals to help me. And they saw me, you know, Edinburgh Edinburgh can break the, the strongest oh, spirit. Of course. Um, and they, they saw how hard I worked for it. They were like, they couldn't have been happier for me because they really, you know, when I sort of hit the reset button and I had two young kids and, you know, they would come to Melbourne and come to Edinburgh to help me with the kids so that I could do the shows and, and do the stage time and have oh, a little lovely. afternoon nap. I remember there was one there was one Edinburgh that I did um, and it was my first festival back having been off having babies and, and I sort of was like I've got to get back on the horse and um, and I just wasn't selling very well and I had a – it was a good show but it wasn't it, – you know, the reviews were great but I had a bad time. So it, was, it was like a storytelling show mm-hmm. but it was on at 9.30 in the Pleasance, Pleasance beside and it's a really big room for a later show. Like it should have been five in the afternoon yeah. but it wasn't. And uh, the show just wasn't selling very well, you know, and, I, and I'd got to halfway through the festival and I wasn't really – filling it beyond 60% most nights, mm-hmm. which by halfway through you're like, I can't turn it around now. You know, like I've got 12 days left and I can't turn the ship around now. And uh, I went out for – my dad said I wanted – because I was getting depressed. I was getting really depressed because I'd worked so hard on this yeah. show and it hadn't quite landed commercially. And I went out for lunch with my dad and uh, I just started sobbing. I just oh. couldn't stop crying. And uh, he said, why are you crying? I'm going to get tearful. Uh, 
I it's okay. Said, this is a safe space. He said, "Where?" That. And he said, "Why are you crying?" And I said, "Um, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry oh. that this show's a failure. Like, I've I've given it everything. I couldn't have worked harder on this show. Like, I've done the homework and." I ran it in 40 times. I did 40 previews and I rewrote it and I rewrote it and no one's showing up and I'm so sorry. And um, he was so lovely. He, I mean, he started crying and he said, you have to apologise. Like, are you crazy? You know, like yeah. I, I love you and I'm so proud of you. And so that they've seen all that, you know, mm. they've, they've seen... It's not like I went and decided to do stand-up and then was given a TV show. Like, they've seen the 20 years yeah. of, you know. Um, so, yeah. There you go, Chris. I fucking cried on your dumb <laughs> podcast. Are you happy now? That's uh, so I, I say to Paul, give me an hour and I'll make anyone cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, thank you for sharing. I think that's a, that's a, a kind of that's – a, that's a lovely story that, that could – be it, yeah it's understandably yeah it could be really sad but it's also really lovely that your dad oh, i was really it was really and that, and that and that's why they're just so happy for me with with the show and that's great you know but even then i had to say to them i might not get a series three guys i you know, know like, but yeah, come on we all know that series three stuff goes down the shitter anyway it? <laughs> it, does, my- it does doesn't it it does <laughs> so there's a reason why British shows are normally two seasons. American, you're like on season. I mean, yeah, oh, there's, 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 um, there's some shows. There's a, yeah, there's shows that I do really like that do a lot of seasons. But then sometimes you're like, all right, I, there's certain things that happen. I think by season six on something, I was like, I mean, this is just quite frankly ridiculous. Like, yeah. like in, in Dexter, when um, spoiler alert, I mean, they've got they've re brought it back. But I don't know if you ever watched Dexter. But when his sister found out in like season six, I was like, all right, I'm done. This is this is right. this. The whole premise is gone now. But um, but it's hard. It's hard to write two million episodes of a TV show. Um, but let's yeah. uh, do a tiny gear change before we wrap it up. Sure. My dad, I get him to research my guests. Some of them he he doesn't. Let, I'll be honest. He knows. He knew Zoe Lyons because mm-hmm. I think he saw her once in Edinburgh when because I supported her on tour a few years ago. Anyway, right. but he doesn't know, know anyone. <laughs> he doesn't know anyone <laughs> on the planet, yeah. let alone right. generally guests. So, but I did get him to research you. Uh-huh. Um, I thought he's normally quite good at this, but he dropped the ball a bit. But anyway, he's he's got a question for you. So I think uh, producer Paul will play you the question and uh, feel free to answer how you like. How did you get into comedy and did it live up to your expectations? Oh, there we go. That's a very big one. That's a question of a man that has not researched the guest properly to have a specific oh, yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. that's uh, where, do you, where do you get your ideas? I yeah. mean... Yeah. Um, I got into comedy at university. Um, I was very frightened of it. I was very frightened of stand-up and I was very frightened of of any public performance. Um, And um, I'd done a little bit of other stuff at uni, like a bit of sketch stuff and a bit Mm -hmm. of improv and had sort of enjoyed it but not really enjoyed it. But I kind of knew I was sort of swimming in the right pool, but I yeah. just wasn't in the correct lane, if we were mm-hmm. going to extend that metaphor. That, that, was, um, that was good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, then I did stand-up and I had an almost nerve, like allergic reaction to, to public performance. I was, I was vom- I, I vomited and I, I had explosive diarrhea. It wasn't a food bug, it was nerves. It was incredible. I was so nervous. Um but the gig went okay. I didn't kill it, but it went okay. Mm-hmm. And it went okay enough for me to go, this this is interesting to me. Um, I think what really attracted me to it was in every other thing that I'd done, uh, I was relying on other people when I was on the stage. And there was something I really liked about stand-up, that if you wrote it quite meticulously and learnt it, you know, because you had to, I had to factor in that nerves were going to blind me in the yeah. moment. So I had to know, I had to know it off. I knew I was going to have to know it off by heart. Um, but there was something about it that I could completely control that space. I was like, there's a microphone and a spotlight and everybody has to listen. Obviously they can stop listening if they don't like it, but there was a, an autonomy and a power to that, that, um, I I felt so thrilled at the control that I had and mm. 
I remember when I started gigging a bit, um, and I really liked comics. I found that I really liked comedians. Like, I, in a way, I sort of um, found myself socially and that I was like, oh, these are my people. These are, like, I really fit in well with these people. Like, mm -hmm. I loved backstage. I loved, you know, the just the whole feeling backstage. They, they, I really liked the social aspect of it. Um, but I, I kind of, I, I felt this sort of, it's like my life had become extraordinary. Like I'd, I was at uni and then I dropped uni and I was working in a bar, but I would get up on stage and do stand-up and it made my life, I felt like like a superhero or something. Like I, I was doing this thing that was, when you tell people that, you know, like when you go on a stand-up and they go, oh, my God, I could never do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just kind of felt like, I'd, I'd found this thing that made my life feel really vivid. It, it felt more interesting. It felt like I was like a tightrope walker or something. I, I, it really thrilled me. That's and it gave great. me a lot of pride. It gave me so much pride. I was really proud of myself. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking doing something that people are generally quite frightened of. Mm -hmm. You're making me want to just go and do this gig right now even though it's 9 a.m where i am <laughs> just no, like you some, you're any given sunday <laughs> like yeah. speech I'm, I'm into it mate yeah I'll, I'll fly you over to do old rope and let's oh, yeah, see how mate. you feel yeah that's true that's true <laughs> i do i love that gig that gig's a it's fun my favorite one. old rope is my favorite gig it is to this day my favorite. um mate that's awesome that's a, a lovely what an inspiring answer um yeah. uh the final thing we get our guests to do um i don't know what i said myself in the royal we paul's Producer, go on. Powers. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, uh, have you got any words of encouragement to help my dad say I love you to me? Just, just to get him to crack that nut. Um, Obviously, when he says it, the whole premise of the podcast is ruined because uh, he hasn't yeah. said it. Yet, but, but anything you want to just sort of give him a little well, hint. You I know that he him. does. I, it's not. I mean, he does. So there's no. If anything, it's the smallest part of loving someone is saying it because. The act of loving the person is the really big thing. So really, he yeah, he just needs to get his head around the fact that it's it's the the, the word bit is the nothing bit. Mm -hmm. um, it's the fact that he actually loves you that is is the wonderful. He doesn't have to say it, but it's an it's it's a nice thing for us to let the people in our life know how loved they are. Otherwise, it's a very lonely journey. It is, it is. That's true. That's that's it. Don't let don't leave me alone on the journey, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, Dad. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> Say it. Um, Sarah, this has been uh, – what a treat this has been. Oh, um, it's been lovely. I've really enjoyed it's it. It's been years, but it's been it's been just a, hey, a good – It's not all about volume. It's about the uh, the quality. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different version of quality, not quantity. It's the volume. Vol yeah. It's not, yeah. That's your you own version. Your own spin on that. Um, can't plug, plug your show. It's great. I would oh, uh, my it. show, uh, Afraid, it's on HBO Max um, and uh, Sky and Now TV uh, in the UK and ABC TV in Australia. Um, uh, look, fuck, do what you want. Watch it. Nah, go watch Afraid. Go watch Afraid. It's great. And there's, there's go two, watch two series or two seasons, depending on which country you live in, how you say it. Go watch it. It's brilliant. Anything else people can watch you, see you on, do anything with you at? Nah, go, not at the moment. Go fight you. Where's the Where's your dojo? Bring My dojo some... is in St Margaret's. My dojo is in St Margaret's, uh, and um, it's it, it's great. I love it. I really love it. Um, uh, and I'm going to be doing a tournament in um, uh, September. I'm oh. doing my first tournament. I'd love that if you got like 20 podcast fans watching you. <laughs> You'd have like so the most funny. supporters in a, in a tournament. Yeah. That'd be so good. I expect I'm going to get my ass kicked and go home feeling very embarrassed. I think that's the generally accepted. The first thing that happens at your first tournament is you just get stunned by the violence and go home and go, oh, okay, next time I have to be ready for much more violence. I know I'm going to get you, if I see you uh, near a birthday or at Christmas, I'm going to get you some Cobra Kai stash, mate. That's what I'm getting you as a present, Do it, a bag. Do it. Um, Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. I love you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast from producer Paul Dakota UK. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.